Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. We've always thought that the most compelling story strikes the perfect balance between an honest look at the mess of life and the humor that can be found in the mess. To be perfectly honest, we don't really know how to live life without both the humor and the authenticity. Our podcast might be a little bit of whiplash at times. We can spin from hard and deep to humor and laughing on a dime. The hard will be really hard and the truths we share are the ugliest of humanity. We don't intend to make it seem like it's all fine or to pretty up the pain, but we also know that the joy we found is all the more profound because of the pain. So we hope you can stick with us through the ugly because there will also be joy and hope and humor. Welcome to the ugly truth about the girl next door. Hi, welcome back to our podcast, The Ugly Truth About the Girl Next Door. Um, I'm Kate, and today I am interviewing and doing this episode with my very wonderful friend, Christiana. Um, So hi. Hi. I'm so glad that we're doing this because we are also awesome. Um, So today, Christiana is going to, first, we're just going to introduce her because I feel like she's been such a huge part of this. Um, in the last several months, and we keep kind of mentioning her name with our amazing website and um, some of the things that we have out there in the world. But um, she also has a story of her own that she wanted to make public in order to support me and also to kind of just add to, um, I guess, the validity. Is that the right? I'm not sure if that's the right way to put it. But um, yeah, just to add your voice to the the voices. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so... I've never done this. That's okay. <laughs> the first time Lori and I recorded, we were like 110% fools. So, um, we like, I feel very legit. Yeah, you should because yeah. it is legit. Very legit. We're, I mean, we're podcasters now. So, we have listeners. I'm going to put that on like my resume. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Also a I'm a, also, P.S., I'm a podcaster. <laughs> okay. So, how, so who are you, I guess? And how did you first hear about the podcast? So, I I feel like we're connected in so many ways, mainly because I grew up in so many of the same places that Kate grew up with the same people. And I think the main person that connects us is my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I've known Kate's mom from a very young age, and my mom has known Kate's mom literally since I was in pre-K. Um, she's been kind of a part of not my life specifically, but people that I'm very close with their lives. Yep. So when I first heard about this and I heard, you know, Kate's story and I heard about the podcast, I immediately knew who everyone was talking about because I know this family very well. Right. Um, right. And I know that you had said that, you know, people... You had not you specifically, but people in your life had kind of already heard the narrative that was out there about me. Yeah. Um, and even though we have all these peripheral connections, you and I didn't really know each other. No. So I when I like explain it to people who ask, um, I'm so I'm a hairdresser and I own a salon and I've had the same clients for a very long time. So my clients are very involved in my life. So when I first started posting about this and this became a really huge part of my life, the main question I've been asked is, well, how didn't you know about all of this or how do you know Kate? And I explain it as me and Kate lived 
through the same places with the same people in different dimensions. Yeah. Like I was not in the same dimension she was in by any means, but I was also not in like the happy church world. And a lot of the people in our, both of our stories are the same. Yeah. So that's kind of, I feel like I know her without, I knew her without knowing her. Yeah. And there were so many connections that the second I heard her name, I knew who this was. Right. Same. When you first reached out to me uh, a few months ago, or I don't even know, maybe like five months ago, six months ago. I don't know. I think it was. I don't math. Mid-March. Yeah. So I don't know how many months that is. I remember that that was honestly such a traumatic day. I heard about this on, actually, I could be lying. It may have been April. (laughs) It was because I had to take the day off of work the next day. Okay. Because I was like, I'm going to listen to this podcast start to finish. Yeah. And there wasn't a ton of episodes at that point. I think there was like eight or nine. Okay. And I had to take the day off of work because not only was this so devastating, but it also brought up so many feelings that I've been pushing down my whole life and in some ways validating my feelings in my story. Like I've never been validated. I've never felt that anybody understood what I went through, that anybody, not that anybody cared, but it was, I didn't want to feel dismissed. So something that comes out that's so big made my story look so small. When I thought like I was like the biggest thing that came out of the church that I was keeping secret. So your story made me feel safe. Yeah. And hopefully empowered um, to do what you're doing today and tell your story. Um, It took a while. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. Well, also because we pushed it off like how many weeks? Um, I, the first time that you reached out to me, I actually, I remember like I was in, I was in bed. Cause you know, I'm always like in bed early. <laughs> My drug induced coma. It was probably 10. Like 10 legal PM. drugs. Legal drugs. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes we need things to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways. And I remember getting your message and like being like, babe, oh my gosh, like, I know her, but I don't know her, but like, I know her family, like my mom and her mom and like, oh my goodness. And I remember her in preschool, but like, I wasn't in the same grade as her, but it was like, I, I, it's like, I knew you, but I've never met you kind of feeling it hundred percent. Yeah. Which is really bizarre. I even like, what's so weird is I recognized your voice on the podcast. Okay. Same. The first time you sent me a video of the website, it was the first time I heard you talk and I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I know. Like I knew your voice. It was weird. And then when I saw your mom, when we went over to your mom's house for a bit, it was literally this like, I, I have met your mom when I was a kid. That was in the email that you sent me back was like, I remember your mom. Yes. Would you remember your mom? I'm 31 years old. So right. That was, I don't know how old I was. I don't either. (laughs) I was a really long time ago. But I'm only 35, so I'm only 30. I'm only not 30 years old. <laughs> Four years older than you. We're so good at math. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, like I remembered your mom. I remembered her as this like beautiful, stunning woman that I just was always like, she's so, like, I just remember you guys vividly in my mind as beautiful people. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I do. Oh my. And I was. I was That's all I want to be remembered. I was correct. <laughs> That's the legacy. <laughs> just remember that I'm beautiful. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> I respect that. Um, okay, so how did you first hear about the podcast? Because I think that this is an interesting question. This was, this was traumatic. <laughs> I bet. So 
I get a call from my mom who I knew. So I thought that somebody died when I got the call. I literally sat, she said, I need you to be sitting down. And I thought like my grandma died and I sat down and she made me swear on a family member's grave that I would say, I would answer truthfully to this question that she had for me. And I was like, mom, I mean, of course. And she's like, were you ever trafficked? And I was like, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) And she basically told me a very short, but detailed enough story of what she was told previously that day. Um, My voice is like shaking. Because it's, like, so upsetting. You sound great. <laughs> Thanks. You look great. You sound no, great. No, just looking great is all I care about. <laughs> Although no one can people. see me right now. <laughs> um, and she's like, listen, there's this podcast, and I haven't listened to it yet, but people that, you know, she named some people who have listened to it, and there are people who validated this story, and it's really big. Like, it's big. So... I mean, we'll get into this like later, but I disclosed to my mom about sexual abuse in 2018. So my mom and I gave her minimal detail. I mean, minimal. It was kind of like, this is what happened to me and I don't want to talk about it, but it's a big deal and I'm struggling with it right now. Um, she Because she didn't have enough detail, she thought that maybe I was talking about this and because of how I grew up and the people that I grew up with and the places that I grew up in, she was concerned. And honestly, I had survivor's remorse. I had to have an emergency counseling session and I was not only devastated for the story I just heard, but I felt guilty that like this didn't happen to me, that I knew all of these people. I mean, I didn't at the time, but I knew, I figured that if if this happened in these places, I was going to know these people. It right. was, it, I knew it immediately. Um, and that I, I felt guilty that this didn't happen to me and that what did happen to me was on such a small scale, I couldn't even wrap my head around this story that she went through. So it was funny in the sense that I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but <laughs> also without even listening to the podcast for the first time yet, I knew exactly what was, I was about to hear. Yeah. Which is crazy. Crazy. So that segueing into your own story, deep breath, drink some wine. (laughs) We have some amazing wine that we're drinking right now and we are absolutely leaving this in. I would love to add that the amount of people that have an issue with you laughing I would love to address these people personally. Yeah, right do now. it. Go for it. Um, I personally don't know any of those people because <laughs> anybody that I know gets it. Um, this is really hard. Mm-hmm. This I have literally put this episode off four times. Um, it's really difficult to talk about. It's difficult to write down and to even create an outline of how to talk about this because one, it's complicated and messy like so messy i'm like how do we even put this into words yeah legally on a public platform (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it's uncomfortable like nobody wants to like sit here at a desk in front of a microphone and cry and talk about like this is a cute recording no it's very cute i would love to not cry in a cute space (laughs) so like anybody that's listening to like laughter 
it's to keep us focused because we're not here to just cry about our story. Like this podcast is made to inform you about something really horrible and devastating that happened and talk about it on a public platform that, and we don't even know who's listening. Right. So I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who are bad people in our lives who have done these things to us and who have participated in these events. And it's not funny at all. Nothing is funny. No. This has, none of this has to do with like laughing, but laughing is truly like one, it's nervous laughter. And two, it's like, it's a coping mechanism. It really is. And like me and Kate just went to dinner and we had a glass of wine and we were talking about this, having a great time. And now like my voice is shaking and (laughs) we have to like talk about really horrible things. So, well, we talk about that all the time. The aftermath, right? Like the coping mechanism is the joking and yeah the, of course. because like if we don't like we'll die so um but it's not funny it's not funny however we are allowed to laugh because mm-hmm. we went through it yeah so if you don't laugh you'll cry we're allo- yeah we're allowed to <laughs> even though it's a cute space to cry in so. <laughs> okay so your story so i guess set the stage for us um you went to the same church where um, many of the things that happened to me happened. Um, yeah. you knew a lot of the same people. Mm-hmm. You went to the preschool that my mother was running at the time. Mm-hmm. You went to a private Christian school, not the same one as me, but you did go to a private Christian school. So you understand that kind I of, I feel like we can name that cause it's closed. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Covenant Academy. I went to Covenant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you know it, you know it. <laughs> if you know, you know. Um, so Yeah. You go for it. You can tell your story. So I want to start off by saying that my mom um, is incredible. And and obviously beautiful. but And very beautiful. Yeah, clearly. That's where I get it from. Genetics. <laughs> my mom truly was like saved by the church. So my mom has only had positive church experiences. She felt that she was saved by the church and, you know, all these great things. So... She wanted me to have that. So at a very, very, very young age, I was basically put into this life of religion. And I don't even want to call it faith because I think of faith as believing in God. And I don't associate God with anything I'm about to talk about. Um, God was never there. No, I don't want to say never there, but he, I never associated him with all of these bad experiences that I just had. Um, Which I think is just to pause for a second. I think that's really, um, huge for you, right? Because I could not be at the more opposite end of the spectrum on that. But like, I think that's really, I don't know, that says something to me about you that you could hang on to that and still have gone through all these horrible things and come out of this crazy place. I think because I was, I mean, literally from pre-K, I went to um, Kate's mother's preschool Mm. and nothing ever happened to me at this preschool. However, from a very, very young age, I was taught basically the same thing until I left the church at 16 years old. So for 16 years, I was taught the same thing. And the one thing I was always taught consistently was that how amazing God was, how Mm -hmm. forgiving he was, how, you know, you can come to him and ask for forgiveness and he's going to forgive you. So I was never told anything negative about God. However, I was told what to be and how to be it and what to do and how to do it. 
but God was used to drive drive in fear mm-hmm. and sin was a huge word and you being a sinner was a huge um phrase that was said a lot so i immediately separated who god was and where i was from an extremely i mean really from as far as i can remember which yeah. i'm very thankful for because yeah absolutely i'm glad that these people um didn't rob me of having a faith right so I went to the pre-K, uh, Kate's mom's preschool. I know, I then... we're all throwing up in our mouths right now. Go ahead. <laughs> it's crazy that like, that's how it starts. Like that, I mean, pre-K is really young. Mm-hmm. You think? Really young. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's horrible and gross. Yep. Then I went to Covenant Academy. Um, Covenant was a very... I'm just thinking of how to put this. <laughs> you don't have to very religious driven. Like I truly don't remember learning anything other than religion and math. <sighs> like, cause I don't know how you can make math religious. So like, maybe that's why I like enjoyed math class back then. <laughs> like everything else was religion. And didn't you tell me too, that like a lot of the teachers were not even, they weren't certified teachers. Yeah. They yeah. were like other parents just like, fake it till you make it kind of thing. Yeah. I actually had this conversation with somebody recently who went to Covenant and she was like, oh my gosh, I just had this conversation with somebody else who went to Covenant. Um, And there was such like a budget issue and, (laughs) you know, like how can you hire this really educated, experienced teacher in a school that's held in the back of a church? Right. So yeah and i never had a bad experience with these teachers however it really wasn't school it was religion class over and over and over and over again um so i really didn't know anything different i was then homeschooled which was the best years of my life to be honest i loved every (laughs) minute of it but it was also very religious based because my mom is very religious right then I went back to Covenant. During that time, I did go to Circle C Ranch, where unfortunately that's where a lot of girls have been hurt. I was not one of them, but it was a place that I went uh, for three summers. And during this entire time, I also went to Whitehaven, um, which is now under new leadership, new ownership. Yeah, I mean, new completely ownership. new. Um new leadership they it's not even called Whitehaven anymore it's uh thank god thank god that word is so gross to me I, I have a funny it. story about that later but I that's not a <laughs> that's not a podcast story I hate it I hate that word I know so in Whitehaven not only was there Sunday school and regular church service but there was vacation bible school Olympian club mm. like after church activities they also, I don't know if this was required, but like all kids in Whitehaven, like had a job. Like I worked in this like little tiny library and I worked in the nursery for many years. So and- I just want to interject the fact that, cause this is actually the first time that we're talking about this too, which I always think is funny. I did not have a job, but that's also during church and after church mm-hmm. is when these bad things would happen to me. So it's funny to hear me say, it's funny to me, not funny, 
again, none of this is funny, but it's interesting to me to hear you say that like you felt like every kid in the church had a job and I don't have that memory at all because I'm like, where was I during that time? And then, but then it's like, that's where I was. So crazy. Again, we lived in the same places with the same people at the same time, different dimensions. We weren't crossing paths, but we were in the same place. Yeah. I actually had um, a woman who bought one of your shirts and well, not bought, she donated money for one of your shirts. And she was like, I don't know if you remember me, but we worked in the nursery together. And that was such a weird, like, I felt like all these memories just flashed within my head. Like, I remember being there. I remember signing moms in and signing their kids in and moms like handing me diaper bags with like formula and like all of these things. And I was a kid. I was a kid taking care of their kid. Like I was literally taking care of babies in cribs. Mm -hmm. And then there was this little bathroom that separated, you know, the nursery from like the daycare. And I would be like in and out of both of these places, like taking care of kids. And I was like literally a kid. Yeah. Maybe that's why I don't want kids. (laughs) I took care care of kids enough (laughs) at my age. So, yeah, church was not just go to church service on a Sunday for an hour and a half and then leave. It was your whole life. It was my whole life. It was, I mean, borderline six to seven days a week. And, you know, my mom truly looked at this as like, I want her to be around really good people and have the experience that I have because you know, faith like saved me and she loves these people at the church and I never understood it. So I kind of didn't say anything until I got older because of how much my mom loved the church and how awesome church was to her. And I just didn't, I didn't get it because it felt like I was telling Kate this a few times. I felt like I was in a cult my whole life. However, I didn't have that word in my vocabulary. So I just felt like something was off. There's a control factor that I don't like, and I just have to keep my mouth shut and make it until I was 16. My mom's rule was once you turn 16 and you get your license and a car, you don't ever have to go to church again. So for me, it was like, just do all the things you have to, to make it to 16. So talk about a little bit what you mean by it being a cult, like the different things that you were involved in, the things that happened to you while you were there, like not even the abuse necessarily, but more of the spiritual abuse, mental, emotional abuse that you experienced at the church. Because I think that's also really important, like setting the stage kind of thing. Yeah. So this church specifically, I don't want to like speak for all churches, but this church specifically was from a very young age, they like drilled in you the same things over and over and over and over again. And keep in mind, I'm also going to a Christian school with the same people who go to this church. So I'm never without the same people. Um, So anybody that was drilling this type of a narrative into me also was at my school. But what was the narrative? So it was a few things. One, you never question the Bible or elders of the church. And I say elders as in anybody that's an adult in like an authoritative position. Um, 
no questions are to be asked. And if you ask a question, it better be positive towards religion and not like you're questioning this religion. Right. Um, one of the specific stories that I'll never forget because it went on for months, if not years, was I, at a very young age, looked at some of the stories in the Bible as like analogies. And, you know, for example, like Jonah and the whale, there was a man who was swallowed by a whale for three or four days and then was like spit out unharmed Hmm. on land. And this just happened to be the land that he like had to go to. Great. Like, I (laughs) I don't know what to take with that story, but I took the story as like, trust and perseverance and like with God, you can do anything. Like I tried to take it as like this positive, you know, they were trying to teach a lesson. So I brought the story up to, um, a leader and I was like, you know, I'm struggling with this cause I'm a very factual person, even at a young age. <laughs> and I was like, so this is like, just like a story, right? Like a man wasn't like actually swallowed. And now I'm young. I'm not talking like 15. I'm talking like nine. Right. And I was ripped apart. Like, you're not a good Christian. You're a sinner. God's going to punish you for this. How dare you question the Bible? You're wrong. You know, I remember someone even saying to me once with who your mother is, I can't believe you would say this to me. Almost meaning like my mom should have drilled into me that this was a true story. Mm -hmm. So that went on for so long and obviously these leaders spoke to each other that i was mentioned this concern so many times that i really just kept my mouth shut from that point on because i was like wow i really can't ask a single question yeah um another thing was from a very young age they teach girls females um your goal and your job in life is to get married young one Two, which is the most important, you have to marry someone within the church, which I thought was absolutely crazy. Um, it made me feel like, wow, so like the, the people that I'm looking around right now, like one of these people has to be my husband. And I remember looking around being like, nah, nah, yeah, I'm all set. So maybe I just won't be married. Um, mar- not even marrying a Christian, mm-hmm. marrying within the church. Yeah. Uh, number three, you and this guy that you end up dating and marrying have to do like, whether it be Christian counseling within the church, mm-hmm. couples counseling, like classes, studies, you have to do it together to like prepare for your marriage. And again, I'm talking like 14, 15, 16 years old. Yeah. Uh, number four, if I'm not number four, <laughs> Number four. Start using letters. I feel like that. Yeah. Uh, the next, <laughs> the next thing I was, you know, was forced upon me was you and your future husband have to like work within the church. So for women, I feel like it was uh, worship. Being on the worship team was like what you had to do. Hmm. That was. I don't really remember any other job other than being on the worship team. And then was, you should be running a men's study or you should be a pastor. Okay. So 
those five things <laughs> were like four and a through c yeah <laughs> those things were like wow this is the rest of my life yeah that makes sense so then when women um got to a certain age i should say girls um we were kind of expected to do like women's studies where it was taught by women and only females could go. So this one specific one that I went to for a pretty long time um, was ran by a woman who <clears throat> was by far the most aggressive um, <clears throat> leader that I've really ever had contact with. How she drilled into us those like four or five things I've mentioned of what we should be doing when we get older was not only manipulative but aggressive in the way that she used god and religion and sin as like a fear tactic that if you don't do this bad things are gonna happen yeah sounds familiar yeah <laughs> that's a common theme isn't it though <laughs> so yeah yeah okay so that was all of the the really bad experience isn't that's a very light way of putting it but let's just say that's a very bad borderline spiritual abusive <clears throat> experience that you had in the same church that i was experiencing this abuse but then kick it up a notch and you have your own story of sexual abuse yes can you talk about that so um but do you need more wine first? Right. <laughs> I'm Honestly, yes. <laughs> if I could, I would. <laughs> so my story, I have always tried to keep very neat. Um, the few people that I've told, I told as an adult. I have never disclosed this when I was a kid. I never told friends, family, my mom, nothing. Uh, there were reasons for that, but... <clears throat> Even telling people as an adult, I kept it very simple. I was, I, I actually used the word molested because assault, sexual assault to me meant, I thought that it meant that I was like physically hurt. Mm -hmm. um, so I, up until this podcast, I honestly never even had a name for it, which really makes it hard to tell people because if you don't have a name, Mm -hmm. How do you explain a situation when you don't want to explain a situation? My God, do I relate to that? <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. For me, it was um, so the meaning of rape, it was not rape to me. Um, it was more than being molested. When you like look up what the meanings of these words are, it was more than a grope. But assault to me meant being physically hurt. So I never had a name and I never wanted to tell this story to somebody. So I used the word molested. I left it at that. I, um, I actually told my mom in 2018 in like the July or like August, because ironically, my sister was getting married at this church and I could not go back into the church. So when I left at 16, um, I never went back. I never thought I'd have to go back. So 
I felt like I had to tell my mom because I was struggling so much and I kept it very simple. The truth is it wasn't simple. It wasn't neat. It wasn't tidy. It was super messy. And I'm still dealing with how to process the memories that I have and the memories that I'm probably permanently missing. Um, I don't remember when it started, but I do remember how old my sister was and she was three years old and I am seven years older than her. Um, I remember what my body looked like, which, um, you know, when you get to a certain age, bodies go through certain things and I know what I didn't have and what I didn't go through at that point. So if there's anybody who questions a victim on, well, how do you remember how old you were, how to remember where this happened? You know, it was really hard because everything in my life was very similar for so long. The same people, the same places, the same things. So I remember, you know, the the facts. How old was my sister? What did my house look like? What did I look like? What my haircut was? Things like that. Um, there's three really specific memories that I have. Um one included um, a video camera. Um, I was not holding the video camera. And I remember thinking in the moment, this, in a child's mind, this is why I can't tell. Because how would I ever explain this to somebody? And as gross as it sounds, if this video is ever watched, it probably looks like I am not being <clears throat> held against my will. Um, it probably looks like, <clears throat> yeah, it probably looks like I'm there willingly. Um, because all disclosure, I didn't like fight back really hard. I kept my mouth shut and I did all the things I was told to do because I was scared that this person was going to blame it on me. And, you know, kind of the story that I just told about how I did question some things within the church and people didn't peg me as like the Christian who fell in line. If I were to go against this person who was like the all American Christian, I truly felt that I never would have been believed. And honestly, at 31 years old, I'm glad I didn't tell. I'm glad I didn't tell in the moment who this person was because I truly don't think my life would have been the same from that point on. Um, That's a really <clears throat> bold and sad statement, but I also like a hundred percent get what you're saying. Just that feeling of like, there's just no way. And yeah. So I feel like when people hear about sexual abuse, it's who haven't went through it. Um, it's horrible. They can't imagine it. You know, I'm so sorry you went through that. Why didn't you tell anybody? Mm -hmm. I can't speak for everybody who's been through sexual abuse because mine was obviously not like the worst of the worst. However, to me in that moment, going through that experience was better than telling because yep. the abuse went on for about two years consistently. Um, and... Um, 
I at least knew what I was about to expect. I knew when I saw this person and they were acting a certain way, what I was going to be experiencing. Um, I got very used to it. I went to a place mentally that I was very comfortable with and I knew how to cover it up. I became a very experienced liar of how to cover it up. You know, my mom was the most protective mom in the world. Um, and she's like, how did I not know this? And I'm like, mom, I was a really good liar. Like I, I had a breakdown, um, a few weeks ago and I was just like crying to her. And I said, you, you, uh, you, um, noticed something once and you confronted me about it. And I came up with a really good lie in the moment and the lie actually got me in trouble because of what I said. Um, but the lie that got me in trouble was better than me telling you what actually happened. So as crazy as that sounds, sometimes as a child, when you think your whole life is going to be blown up by telling the truth, the best thing for you to do is just keep your mouth shut. Yep. <clears throat> I can't even tell you how much that resonates. Um, you know, we've talked about that so many times that staying in it and especially after multiple escape attempts or trying to tell and not being listened um, to just keeping my head down, keeping my mouth shut, knowing what to expect is always better and easier than the unexpected. Oh, God, 100%. Um, I actually literally just said that to Lori this week, <clears throat> that I would rather stay <clears throat> in the things that are happening um, right. than be told that I'm not believed yet again. Um, so, yeah, that makes 110% sense to me. And let me just say, like, I'm, you know, this happened a very, very long time ago. I was very, very young and I'm in my thirties and this person's name has only left my mouth two times. That's yeah. it. And it's been within the last month. I have never spoke this person's name. I have never alluded to this, per who this person was. Um, I don't know whether it's out of fear or out of, I don't want to face this head on. Um, up until this podcast, I haven't faced this. The only people that knew were my boyfriend, my therapist, and my mother. And all three of those people found out because of a breakdown that I had over what has happened to me. So when this podcast came out and months after me and Kate started talking, I told her what happened to me. And then even months later, I told her I was willing to go public with this. As I'm sitting here right now recording this, I had to make calls to my family, not only to tell them I'm going on a podcast, but to tell them that I was sexually abused as a child. I mean, nobody knew. This This was a shock to my siblings. But didn't you say that your sister was kind of like, that actually tracks. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. Uh, my sister was around three years old. Again, this went on for two years. So whether it started when she was three or ended when she was five or two and like four, I'm not really sure. But I called her and I was like, listen, here's a situation. Um, I'm going to go public with this. I just wanted you to know first. And the first thing out of her mouth was this person's name. 
and it took the breath out of me. Um, I couldn't even lie and be like, oh my God, no, that's not who it was. I, I was just silent. And she literally just goes, oh dang. Like, <laughs> like she's so factual. She was like, oh dang. And I didn't say anything. And I was like, I can't even believe you just said that name, that you pulled that name out of everybody you've known at this church. And she was kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, which was very validating. Yeah. And she also, the next thing out of her mouth was an abuser's name. Um, one of Kate's abusers. And she named this person by name. And I just couldn't believe that someone who was so young at the time and that somebody that I thought was so clueless to all of this, these were the two names out of this person's mouth. So mm -hmm. it was a very, I was very silent um, during the conversation, but I think that that really goes to show that I didn't hide it as well as I thought I did. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about those like holy <clears throat> SHIT because Lori kicks me if I <laughs> <laughs> moments that you and I have had. Because um, we've already talked about the fact that you and I uh, grew up in like same church, same situations, in completely different what did you call it? Dimensions. Dimensions. <laughs> I was going to say stratosphere and I was like, no, nah, that's not the right word. <laughs> I feel like you and me have like passed each other in so many instances yeah. and I've, we've been around the same people, but like, I've never like, but like I could have seen, seen you. Yeah. I could have seen you in a store a year ago and yeah. definitely not known you. hundred percent. Um, but, and yet in the months that you and I have been talking and connected through you hearing about the podcast and knowing who I was and who my family was, um, just in random conversations. I mean, literally like innocent conversations. Yeah. Innocent. Just like literally like hanging out by the fire. Yeah. Just talking. We have had more holy crap moments than we can even describe. So, um, one of them is that a very close family member of your direct abuser, mm -hmm. um, was one of my direct abusers. Um, which is like, like when I, when you told me who it was, I, my like jaw hit the floor. Like it was like, what? Also, I don't even know if you know this, telling you who it was is the first time in my entire life I've ever named who this was ever. Oh, wow, my I didn't know that. Even like to my counselor, this name has never left my mouth. And I felt like you, you deserved to know it because you've been so trustworthy with me knowing things. So it's crazy that I tell you this name and you're not only were you like, wow, this makes sense, but you were like, ironically, this person's very direct family member is somebody who was very involved in my abuse. Right. Which was a name that I had given to Lori and to other leadership and law enforcement well before I ever even met you. That I never knew. Right. <laughs> So these holy crap moments that we're having are like truly holy crap moments. Um, another one was um, another close family member of one of my abusers um, was the woman who held the crazy women's group yeah. that you were subjected to at that church. Yeah. Um, I also think people might listen and be like, oh, it's like no big deal. You were just basically told you should like marry young. No, this was extremely aggressive, manipulative, 
a like mentally and emotionally abusive. Yeah, um, I know this woman, so I like a hundred percent can validate like, that. This thing wasn't like forty five minutes; it was hours. Yeah. So it's crazy that this person that I've had this feeling towards this many years, you were like, again, makes sense because guess what? Yeah. <laughs> that I also didn't know. Yeah. Again. Right. Um, there are five different men who, so when we started the podcast, um, obviously Lori has known many of the names of the men for a long time as her and I have been working together. Um, law enforcement has been given these names. Um, people in leadership at churches have asked us, you know, I'm concerned. Are these people in my building? Are they, um, working with children? And, um, some of the names we had also given to that church leadership. So five different men whose names I had already shared with Lori, law enforcement, and church leadership, um, who were involved directly in my abuse. Um, Christiana also had suspicions and questions about not knowing that I had ever named these people. Like she had no idea that any of these people were involved. Um she didn't know the connection and I didn't know the connection that she had to them. Um, and then literally like a couple times, like blatantly like was like, Hey, was this person? Yeah. <laughs> and it was such a large spider web that I got to the point where I was like, just tell me so I can know, I know how to avoid these people or like how to deal with this because it became so connected. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know who to talk to anymore or who to avoid or right. anything. So when I would ask her these specific names, she would, you know, confirm it. And then sometimes she would say something and I'm like, oh my gosh, crazy that you just say that. And we would put these connections together, right. never knowing the other person's story. Right. So yeah, the holy crap moments that we've had in the last couple months, like holy crap. You know, crazy. Um, one specific person that we, you asked me, and I've told you repeatedly, had I known the relationship that you had to this family, I probably wouldn't have answered the question. I probably would have been like, well, I'm not really sharing about stuff like that. I'm not giving names. Um, but I didn't know that. I had no idea that it was like really out of the blue. Too. It was super out of the blue. I don't even remember what we were talking about. And you were just like, I got to ask you this. Was this person involved? And I was like, yeah. And like, I was like, holy uh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> holy crap. And like, you explained that you're the relationship, and it was like, oh my God. And to be honest with you, I don't think I've even told you this. The guilt that I felt in telling you that because of the fallout for you, like that yeah. you knew this person, you knew this family, and now I was telling you this. I, I didn't intend that. Like, that's why I would never have probably shared that because I would not want to hurt you. And I knew that it did. And so again, like, yeah, it's just these, these holy crap moments of like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Which what's so sad is that, you know, Kate is naming people who are really bad people that there's collateral damage yep. just because these people are trusted and loved by so many other people. Um, so not that, and this is not Kate's fault, but I have been 
really dealing with like bombs going off all around me because I'm, I told Kate from the beginning, I stand with you. I believe everything that you're saying, and I'm not swaying from like standing in this fight with you. So when Kate names people that I'm very close with, there, there is a choice to be made. And the choice, when I say I stand with you no matter what, it doesn't mean I stand with you until you name somebody that I know. <laughs> That's not what it means. Yeah. So I've watched people who are ride or die for Kate, I mean, not only fall off being supporters, but go really hard against her. So I feel like there's supporters, there's people who are like, I'm staying out of this. And then there's like people who are against you. Yeah. So I've watched supporters be against you. And here I am standing next to you saying, this isn't right. And I'm not going to let your hurt pull me out of this. Right. And it sucks, but it's not, it's not anybody's fault, but these men. Right. And honestly, women. Yeah. Absolutely. Holy cow. It is men and women who have contributed to hurting children, which is really, yeah. I think not many people know that. No, I don't think so either, but yeah, you are a hundred percent right. Many, many wives of these people covering it up and um, turning a blind eye women who have been involved. So I don't think it's, um, obviously not talked about a lot that there are women who sexually abuse children. Yeah. There are women. People don't want to think about that because people associate women with that maternal kind of, um, instinct. And so to Mm -hmm. think about that is just kind of a really, like people try really hard not to think about that, but that's not accurate thinking. Yeah. But, um, People like Christiana who stay in it. (laughs) Um, It's that 20-60-20 that Lori has talked about before. There's 20% of the population actively trying to do good, actively trying to stand in the gap to um, stand up for those who don't have a voice themselves. And then there's 60% of the population who are kind of just doing their life and whatever. Um, And then there's another 20%, the bottom 20, who are actively doing evil. Christiana is in the top of the top of the top of the top 20%. So I strive. I mean, yeah, you're beautiful. You're striving. It's all the things, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of people that I can say there's a ton of people supporting and I'm so thankful for that. I will never even be able to wrap my head around the amount of people supporting, um, 20% of the population. It turns out is a lot of people, um, But yeah, I'm really thankful for people like Christiana who have not wavered because the deeper we go into this and the further we get and the more that comes out, the harder it is to stand our ground and for other people supporting to stand their ground. So, you know, we talk about that 20, 60, 20 all the time. And um, the hard part is that we know some people in that 60%, that kind of neutral, I don't want to get involved. Um you know, part of the population, I guess. So talk about that. What does that feel like for you who has jumped in head first? Literally head first. Literally while it's on fire. So, (laughs) oh, this is on fire. Allow me. Yeah. (laughs) What's been, 
what was hard in the beginning is when I got really involved and not even involved, like talking to Kate involved of like reposting and texting people about the podcast and like making the shirts and just being very publicly involved. I was getting a lot of messages from people, um, in my past, people who went to Whitehaven, people who went to Covenant and the, there's like four specific women who still go to the chapel with their kids. Their kids are unattended in the chapel. Um, and it really like upset me. So I kind of confronted these four people and their response was basically, I just like don't want to get involved or I just don't want to take sides or I'm just going to like be Switzerland in this. And my response to them was probably a little aggressive, but I was like, you're a woman in your thirties deciding to not get involved in a very dangerous situation. Your child does not have that luxury. Mm-hmm. You are choosing to send your child to a to an establishment that is incredibly dangerous, that has a history of abuse and protecting abusers. And because you don't want to get involved in the mess, you are choosing to stay out of it. However, you're not out of it. You're actually more in it than you think you are because your children are involved. And even if there was a 2% chance that your child would get hurt, wouldn't you want to err on the side of caution? Yeah. Like I get that it's hard to leave a church. I'm not saying that that's a very easy move to make. However, when it comes to your child's safety and well-being, wouldn't you think that that would be a pretty easy decision? Yeah. No, absolutely. I read a thing I'm trying to find um about people who decide to remain neutral. You are essentially siding with the abuser. You are essentially mm-hmm. you are siding with the perpetrator. There is no neutral in abuse. There's just not. There's believe and stand with the victim or stand with the perpetrator. And by being neutral, that's what you're doing. Well, you know, it's funny as I had this conversation um, with someone a while ago when I was first like kind of getting involved and I was really struggling with people not supporting me being involved. I'm actually still to this day, really not supported by a lot of people um, that I'm like publicly standing in this. And this person said to me, you're in a very unique situation because there's nobody that's going to see both sides. Mm. Like people can say that they don't want to get involved. That's different, but you're never going to find somebody that is going to hear the story about your mom and be like, yeah, like I kind of get like where your parents are coming from. Right. <laughs> like I kind of get like why they did this right. and you're never, they're never also going to hear your story and be like, yeah, I like totally understand. Like you can't understand, right. you know, people who hurt children and the children that are hurt. Right. So it really is, you have to pick sides and you don't have to pick sides like necessarily publicly, Yeah, but please keep your kids safe. Right. And that's been our goal really of the podcast. Uh, our number one goal is keeping people safe, which we say, I think, almost every episode. Okay, last and finally, what do you want um, women now, girls then, um, who were victims of the same or similar crimes to know? Um, I think we both know um, women who were kids then. Um, I for sure do, who 
have yet to come forward, have yet to open their boxes, have yet to um, be able to face what happened um, in the church and in this, um, what would you want to say to them? I think for the women who are listening that know and remember that they were hurt by the church, I I know some of them. We've actually had conversations about this. Um, there is healing with coming forward. It's not easy. I've been sick over this for like two months, but there is healing with it. And the, the you know, I keep saying to people that there's strength in numbers. Like it started off as like just Kate and then it was Kate and Lori. Now it's Kate, Lori and me. And then there's Kate, Lori and me and like all these other people that are trying to help. So the more people that we can get, it, it really does validate all of our stories. Um, and right now people who are listening don't know the person who hurt me. What if this person also hurt someone else? Mm-hmm. Like, let me validate your story right? or, you know, validate Kate's story. Um, if there are people that don't know if they were hurt or what happened to them, I mean, please reach out to Kate or a counselor and counselor who's License. not involved <laughs> yeah, in the church, like reach out to somebody who's qualified to handle um, childhood trauma and work through it. Because if you are listening to these episodes that Kate has been doing, I actually know two people who are reached out to me and was like, I think I was abused. And I actually reached out to Lori Mm -hmm. and was like, what do I do with this? Because I want to help these people. Um, Reach out. And if you're relating to one of these episodes, I feel like there's a reason for it. Yeah, no, I agree. Awesome. Well, thank you (laughs) so much. (laughs) Awesome. Um, no, seriously, you're amazing. Lori yeah. and I are just like, what? I can't even like wrap my head around how you and I came to be. Um, I literally, I feel like I listened to these episodes and I was like, they need like a bull in the china shop. Yeah. And <laughs> that's like a mouth. 110% <laughs> you. So I literally told Patrick the other day, I can't remember what it is he texted me about. And I was like, this is why I love Christiana. <laughs> I'll make it happen. Yeah. Make it rain. So on that note, um, please check out our website, follow us on Instagram. Um, and is that it? I think that's it. There's also GoFundMe. There, I know. It's so hard for me to talk about though. I'm going to talk about it. Go Go on the GoFundMe because every dollar helps because you know what? We can talk about this all day long, but at the end of the day, um, money makes it happen. So All right. Thanks for listening. Shit. If you or someone you know is stuck in a trafficking situation and needs help, please reach out to the National Human Trafficking Hotline by calling 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733.